There on the internet, I am Matthew Galt, and this is Cyber Chess Chess Chess. You, the audience, quite literally asked us for this. It's the scandal that just won't quit. On September 4th, at a live chess tournament in St. Louis, chess grandmaster Magnus Carlsen lost in a massive upset to a young chess whiz, Hans Niemann. This was not supposed to happen, and almost immediately, accusations of cheating flowed. Over the past few months, accusations and revelations have gotten wilder. We're talking butt plugs talking AI-driven cheating engines, and other wild stuff. Throughout it all, Motherboard Editor-in-Chief Jason Kebler has been pushing the story, watching every moment, and now he's got a big scoop for us. Jason, thank you so much for coming on to Cyber once again to talk to us about everyone's favorite sport, chess. What's up, YouTube? Finally get to say that. Very exciting. Uh, (laughs) We're streaming this on YouTube and not Twitch today because of some technical difficulties, but uh, hello out there, YouTube and cyber listeners. Um, Shit's wild, huh? It is. It's super wild. Everyone should read Jason's new story that's fresh up on the site. Um, So for people that don't know, can you give us like the the blow by blow of what happened on September 4th and like how we got to where we are now? Yeah. So we talked about this on a previous episode and it's a long and complicated tale, but the, the long and short of it is there is a tournament called the Cinquefield Cup. I believe that's how you say it. And Magnus Carlsen, who is the highest rated chess player in the world, was playing against Hans Niemann, who is this 19-year-old up-and-comer. Hans Niemann beat Magnus, and immediately after the game, the match, he tweeted a video from soccer coach Jose Mourinho. This uh, this like video clip was like, I want to say more, but I can't say anything. Magnus then pulls out of the tournament altogether, which is like really unprecedented. Uh, the implications immediately were that Hans must have somehow cheated against Magnus. Like that, that was the implication of him tweeting this. And then people were like, well, how could Hans have possibly won because he was playing as black, which has sort of an, an inherent disadvantage uh, against white in in chess, and it was also sort of an over-the-board thing, meaning it wasn't online chess. They were playing in person with real pieces. Uh, other stuff happens immediately. Basically, uh, like security is kicked up a notch at the Cinquefield Cup. They start like doing metal detecting, and they also um, they delay the tournament to sort of sweep for devices, as, as I understand it. No- nothing was found at that time. Uh, but then chess.com bans Hans Niemann uh, with the implication being that he cheated at some point. Then he, we, go ahead. No, no, I was going to ask, and he has admitted to cheating at some point in the past before on chess.com specifically, right? Right. So Hans had previously admitted to cheating when he was like 12 and 15, something like that, when he was, you know, a young teenager and, and preteen. And basically Hans is, explanation was that uh i was good but i wasn't really willing to grind to get sort of uh to 
to increase my rating on there to where I was playing people on my own level. So I used an AI to cheat on chess.com so that I could play against better players. He called it later the worst mistake of his life. And he explicitly said, I've never cheated in over the board chess. During all this time, there's been no real, there's been no proof that Hans Neiman cheated against Magnus Carlsen. Nonetheless, it's been the only thing that the chess world has been talking about. It's like, People started running all of Hans's moves through like chess AI to sort of calculate like what are the chances that these moves could have been made by a human versus a chess AI, which at this point, chess AI is much better than any human player. And so in theory, like anyone using a chess AI should be able to beat any human player. Then basically like a week later, like a week and a half later, the two meet up again in an online chess tournament. Hans is playing against Magnus and there's thousands of people watching. This thing is being live streamed. Hans makes one move and then Magnus makes one move. And then Magnus turns off his webcam, resigns the game and and logs off. He like basically refused to play against Hans. So this then is like, okay, the the biggest, most famous chess player in the world is simply not willing to play against this guy. Like this sort of started a whole nother leg of the drama. In the aftermath of that, uh, this is a tournament being run by chess24.com, which is a pretty big chess website, like platform. It's, I believe the second largest after chess.com. They had a journalist on there, like one of their announcers interview Magnus a few, I think the next day after he resigned. And he was like, what do you think of Hans Niemann? Like, tell us what's going on because the whole, the whole chess world believes that there's cheating going on here. And Magnus says, quote, unfortunately, I cannot particularly speak on that, but you know, people can draw their own conclusion and they certainly have. I have to say, I'm very impressed by Niemann's play and I think his mentor, Maxim Delugi, must be doing a great job. That's the end of the quote. This starts a whole nother firestorm because Maxime Delugi is basically the, the subject of the story that I wrote today and the subject of this podcast, I would say. He is a Russian-born chess grandmaster. He was a junior world champion in, I believe, the 80s. Uh, he's one of the top blitz chess players in the world, which blitz chess is basically like speed chess. You play very fast. Um Super well-known guy. He is also the founder of a series of chess academies in New York and Manhattan called Chess Max Academy. Sorry, in Manhattan and Connecticut, rather, called Chess Max Academy. Uh, Private lessons with him cost $250 an hour. And Maxime Dlugi, like, basically the chess world was like, why is Magnus Carlsen talking about Maxime Dlugi? Like, that, this seems like a weird thing to say in an interview you, if you if you watch the video of the interview, it's very stilted. Like Magnus chooses his words extremely carefully. He, it's clear he doesn't really want to talk about it. And then the interview is like basically over. So from there, um, people start investigating like Delugi's past, and they learn that in 2017 during a Chess.com tournament, he had won a few matches in a row, and then he mysteriously like logged off. Like he was he stopped playing the tournament. He was removed from the tournament. There was no real explanation for why. And people started speculating that he had been caught cheating or something else had happened. And no one really knew what happened. Uh, This happened again in 2020. 
And people started analyzing what was going on here. And they were like, well, is Magnus accusing Delugi of cheating? Like there had been cheating rumors associated with these two tournaments that, that both took place on chess.com. Uh, they were called Titled Tuesday, which is like this weekly tournament that chess.com throws and only titled players, which means grandmasters and people who are have some sort of title to their their name in the chess in the chess game, which you get by winning tournaments and being very highly ranked. It's like, what happened here? Chess.com has never said anything about this, really. This brings us to Monday of this week. And I guess we'll get to the butt plugs later. <laughs> this brings us to oh, Monday. We'll get this to week. the butt plugs for sure. <laughs> right. Um, Magnus puts out another statement. Like the, the first one was an interview, but he basically put in a put out a big statement on Twitter that says, quote, I believe that cheating in chess is a big deal and an existential threat to the game. I also believe that chess organizers and all those who care about the sanctity of the game we love should seriously consider increasing security measures and methods of cheat detection for over the board chess dot dot dot. We must do something about cheating. And I guess sort of in the aftermath of that, of this, uh, you know, I had written an article about this and I reached out to chess.com and they were like, I, I was like, what happened with Maxine Flugi? Like there's a lot of people talking about it. And they sent me email exchanges uh, from 2017 and 2020 in which Maxine Dlugi admits to cheating. He admits, he admits to cheating in 2017 and he admits to cheating again in 2020. And that is what my article today is about. Um, there's still no evidence that Hans Niemann cheated against Magnus Carlsen in over-the-board chess. Um, but we do know that Maxime, that we know that Hans Niemann went to Magnus Delugi's chess class. Like he, he basically was coached by Maxime Delugi. Maxime Delugi has posted Facebook posts of the two of them. Like he has his arm around him. It's a photo of the two of them. Uh, Maxine Delugi defended Hans Niemann after he beat Magnus, um, like on Facebook, he made a post being like, I'm very proud of him. He's worked so hard. He's my student, so on and so forth. And so, I mean, the implication, like the thing that people have speculated that to be clear, we have no proof of, but the thing that like other grandmasters have speculated on Twitch was that Delugi somehow was helping Neiman cheat to be a million percent clear. Delugi denies this. And when I reached out to him for comment on this article, he said that he's like, he said, quote, I'm appalled by the fact that a chess player of Magnus Carlsen's stature would resort to frivolous and false allegations and insinuations, suggesting that I had something to do with Hans Niemann's alleged foul play in either online or over the board tournaments. This has been unjustly damaging for me on a personal family and business level. I'm exploring legal action against those that have started and continue to discuss my involvement in the Magnus Hans affair and therefore cannot provide any further comments on the matter. Um, but that brings me to the story, which is like, this is, I mean, I have not been a chess reporter for a long time. I basically started following chess once this happened. I mean, I, I know how to play chess. I, I knew who Magnus Carlsen was, but in terms of like the ins and outs and the drama of chess, you know, I've only been following it for a month. Admittedly, I've been following it very, very closely. I've been, you know, reading a lot of articles, reading all the Reddit threads, 
watching Twitch streams, reading forum posts, just basically trying to get a lay of the land. And as I understand it, like this is this is like I don't want to say it's unprecedented because maybe there's precedent, maybe other people have reported things like this, but basically like, the emails that we have where Maxime admits to cheating, he sort of admits in, in great detail how he cheated. Uh, says yeah. Can you, that, you get know, in, can you get into that because it's kind of fascinating and there's this. Well, I don't want to speculate on on. I want to stick to exactly what's in the emails, but let, can you elaborate on what exactly is being alleged? Like what exactly he admits to? Okay, so here's how it goes. It basically goes, and I don't know if you can pull up the emails on on the screen uh, for podcast listeners. I will like read out the important parts, but basically. There was a tournament in 2017, uh, like April 2017. Max Doogie is playing in this tournament. As I mentioned earlier, he does he does a few matches and then he's basically like cut off. And right after he's cut off, he emails um, he emails Chess.com, like he emails an executive there, and he says, "Quote." What the hell? I got kicked out from Title Tuesday for cheating? Question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark. Really? Question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark. Please get in touch, Maxime. And then Daniel Wrench, who's an executive at chess.com, like the next day is like, hey, let's have a phone call. Let's talk about this. To be clear, I don't really know what happened on that phone call. I'm not privy to that phone call. I don't have reporting on what happened on that phone call. But as I understand, they basically like weren't able to reconcile whatever happened. So a few months later, like in August, Maxime emails and he's like, look, I'm ready to come clean. Here's what happened. And he says that, you know, at his chess academy, he was playing in this tournament and he was live streaming. He was streaming the game to his students who were sitting in the classroom. And he's like, I wanted them to basically see how I play and I was teaching kids how to follow the moves and so on and so forth. Um, he mentioned specifically that the kids' ratings were in the 1500 to 1950 range, uh, which is, you know, in chess world, it's like grandmasters are 2500, I believe. If I'm wrong on that, I'm very dumb, but I'm sorry. Uh, but basically, they, they were way lower ranked than I was at the time. Uh, they started screaming out moves, though, and some of them... I thought were really good moves is more or less what he says. Um, He says that he plays some of these moves. And then he says, quote, I am now positive that one of the kids was using a program on his cell phone while this was going on. As you can imagine, I liked many of his moves, though I had no idea that he was using assistance to generate them. So in essence, he is, I mean, he's kind of throwing this kid under the bus. Like he's basically like, I didn't know I was cheating, although to be clear, crowdsourcing your moves, even if they're from students, like that is a violation of chess.com's rules. And I think it would be considered cheating in any colloquial sense where it's like, you know, it's supposed to be a one-on-one match and you basically have a bunch of people giving you advice and you're choosing the best move to make. And it's um, not like there's other, there are other websites where you, where they're more tailored to like kind of hanging out with a group of people and playing chess. It didn't have to be chess.com. Right? This was a, this was against other grandmasters in a cash tournament. Like there, you know, there's money on the line. It's a big deal. Um, it's, you know, 
Titled Tuesday is it's a big it's like a brand name tournament. It's not like they do it basically every week and it's sort of a series. Um and so Gall, you have your screen up. God damn it. <laughs> Ignore all of Matt Galt's uh, text oh. messages, but no. So uh, <laughs> it's been a, all right. I just gotta. I, I just gotta shout out this too. He's the one that informed me about the buzzing audio that was on the YouTube channel. So I just want to say, you can thank my buddy Eddie for saving you from the buzz noise. I did fix it. I'm sorry about the keyboard noise. We're having problems with Twitch chat today, or with Twitch today. It's just a great. It's a great technical difficulties day. And I just yeah, we yeah. like it. Uh, anyways. Okay. Anyways, it's like, it's a cash tournament and it's a series in which, you know, every week there's a cash prize, but, the, and then at the end they tally up like who, who won title Tuesdays for the year. I believe that's how it works. I, I need to double check that. In any case, it's, it's a cash tournament. It's like a competitive match. It's not like, Hey, we're hanging out with friends. Anyways, he says, I'm truly sorry for that. And I feel like I robbed my fellow GMs of some prize money, though it was completely inadvertent. Uh, and then he basically says, like, I play better when the kids aren't watching me. But he's, he does say that he thinks that he was being fed through a third party moves that were generated by a chess AI. So uh, chess.com responds and they are more or less like. We ha- are having trouble believing that this is the only time you've cheated. Um, so you need to sort of like fess up. Um, and he responds and he says, I agree. It was not the only time that there were multiple times that they cheated and that he cheated and chess.com eventually says, we're going to let you back on chess.com. You're not allowed to play in any cash tournaments. Um, and basically like, we're going to give you a second chance so that you can continue to teach your students. But if you cheat again, like that's it. Um, fast forward to 2020, there's another series of emails. This, this series of emails is a lot shorter, um, and doesn't go into detail. Uh, but basically they catch him cheating again and they said, you know, we're going to ban you. And then they say that they're going to give him a third chance, but that he can't play in any, any tournaments. Like at, at some point they allowed him to reenter the tournaments after, you know, a year or two. Um, and he says, yes, I agree that I violated the rules as I had some help in some of the games from an outside source. I promise it will not happen again. Uh, and that leads us to today. So, I mean, this is basically, it's like, you know, Dlugi is not the most famous chess player, but he's pretty famous. Like, people know who he is in the chess world. He did a bunch of videos for chess.com, like tutorial videos back in the day. Um, and so, I don't know, it's like black and white proof that he cheated. Um, and that, I mean, that's what the art, that's what the article is about. It's like, we still don't really know, uh, what happened with Hans. We know that Hans cheated on chess.com when he was younger. We don't know sort of if he cheated against Magnus. Uh, we know that Magnus has asked for the chess world to take cheating more seriously. And I think that the release of these emails, which, you know, we published this article two hours ago. It's been pretty controversial. Um, I think that this is an example of, you know, the biggest chess platform taking cheating 
seriously. It's like if you cheat in baseball, there is, you know, there's drug testing. And if you fail a drug test, it's like MLB will ban you for a certain length of time. They will say what you tested positive for. They will tell everyone that you tested positive for something. Uh, when the Houston Astros were caught cheating a few years ago, like there was a big investigation and then a report about like how they cheated and who did it and so on and so forth. If you're caught like aimbotting in a first person shooter or a competitive video game, like you will end up sort of um, like you'll be banned and and they will tell you, they will tell publicly like, Hey, this person cheated. It seems like to this point in the chess world, it's largely been a pretty private thing uh, where there's been like a lot of rumors, but not necessarily the sort of straightforward, like, Hey, we have proof that this person cheated. Here's, here's what they said. Here's what they did like that sort of thing. And I think that's what's to pivot it back to, to Hans. uh, That's sort of what is missing here, which is we don't have, there's no confession. There's no proof. There's accusations. And I think that a lot of people, there's a lot of people saying that they have proof or that there's more to the story or they can't say what they want. They really want to say like that sort of thing. And I think that there's a lot of frustration because let's say if Hans did not cheat and he beat the world's best chess player and over the board chess, like that, that's an amazing thing for that young man. And it's become this highly, highly controversial thing. And this thing that everyone's talking about. Can we talk about a little bit about how chess.com and we are going to get to the butt stuff right after this, this last point. Um, how does chess.com know that someone is cheating? Cause it's so, not, it's not like with the aim bots or the steroids where you can drug test or you know that it can, program is running on a computer, right? It's a little bit more complicated here. So how they know this and exactly how it's done is proprietary, as in like, I can't say this is exactly specifically a million percent how it's done. However, they have a page on, they have an anti-cheat and they describe how the anti-cheat works on a page dedicated to this. And as I understand it, it's like they have millions and millions of players on chess.com like just tons of of games over the course of years and they have all this data and they have like an algorithm that crunches um expected moves in a given situation uh and then if this is not exactly how it works i'm sorry but this is this is as i understand it they basically like feed in data from from chess engines, which there's many different types of chess engines. Like there's a lot of different releases and a chess engine is just a chess AI. And they basically see like, what is, what is the optimal move in any given scenario? And how often does a human make that move? Uh, And basically it creates like a statistical analysis of how likely a human would be to make a super optimal move. Um, and I guess if they have, you know, patterns of someone making moves that are far beyond their skill level, which, as I said, chess has a rating system. And if if there are just sort of repeatedly patterns of moves that would be more likely made by an AI or an extremely high level player uh, with someone who doesn't have that sort of experience, it gets flagged more or less. And then they say that 
uh, all their reports, like they say, quote, before any accounts are closed, all reports are thoroughly reviewed by a team of specialists who have reviewed and closed thousands of accounts in their roles as chess.com statisticians. Uh, and then on its cheating page, they basically say like this model and this system has been vetted by various grandmasters and people in the chess world. And it's widely considered to be like a good way of doing things. Um, I will say that there was a very interesting Reddit post today and I'm not saying that I can't vouch for the, the Reddit post, but I'm just saying like there is a discussion going on right now about whether there are too many false positives uh, because a lot of the ways that people are trying to prove that Hans cheated, they're running it through like anti-cheat software or chess engines and they're pulling in like 50 or 60 different types of chess engines. And it's like, if you run it through all of these different ones, like there may be the possibility of you getting false positives because the chess engine could be like, well, like five different chess engines might say five different things and like 50 different chess engines probably won't say 50 different things, but various, basically it's like the the possibility that one of these moves lines up with something that a chess engine would do versus a human is, is there's a higher likelihood of that. I'm not saying that's how chess.com does it. I don't know. Like on their website, it says that the people who have vetted this has, have signed a non-disclosure agreement and it's proprietary and it's one of the reasons that they're so good at it. Like that, that's what they say is that it's a proprietary algorithm that they're not willing to disclose like fully how it works. But as I understand it, that's like basically how it works. It's part is extremely fascinating to me because chess is this ancient game that is about at that level, I think memorizing complex sets of moves Right. To a certain extent, like you are feeling things out, but to a certain extent, you are memorizing all these different strategies and kind of figuring out which ones work best in any given moment, which is kind of exactly how the chess engines work. Right. Like Gary Kasparov loses to Deep Blue in 1997. Like we've had these AIs that can beat humans at chess for a long time. These chess engines are pretty ubiquitous. Um, so when you're you know, it is not the same thing, but when you're learning to play chess, you're kind of training yourself almost you're training yourself to be a computer exactly. in some ways when you're studying different opens. It's like, if this person does this, then I do that, you know, and, and sim- same with end game where you're sort of, there's sort of an established best practices way of finishing a game and putting a game into checkmate. Like there are many, many books about this uh, in magazines and uh, like, obviously, but like, for example, when we first started writing about this, we called it the biggest chess scandal in like 1500 years or something. And someone was like, Hey, what happened 1500 years ago? And I went on to Google books and I found a book from 1921, like or something from like the twenties, a hundred years ago, that was just 500 pages of chess moves, like chess openings and chess and chess closings and problem solving and things like that. So it's not, it's not a robotic game. There's obviously just like, I don't think it's an infinite number of combinations, although it's just like a a gigantic number of possible, you know, moves to be made and and game scenarios to be had. But uh, it's like, there are sort of well, established openings and closings and sort of like what happens in the middle and how, how people defend against those is 
what makes it like how good you can memorize those as, as well as like how quickly you can adapt to switch strategies as, as I understand how you become good at chess. I'm not good at chess, so I can't say. I am also terrible at chess. And the moment I, I realized I was never going to be good was when I learned that that's how you get good was memorize, like kind of reading all these books and memorizing all this. And I was like, oh, I don't want to do this at all. Um, no. Let's talk about butt stuff. Let's do it. Ad break. Ad break. Yeah, we need to record an ad break. Uh, there hello, we go. Hello, cyber <laughs> listeners. If you're watching on YouTube uh, or Twitch, as it may be, uh, there's no ad. So just stick around. We'll be back instantly. If you're listening to the podcast after the fact, when all the technical difficulties have been worked out, please have a word from our sponsors. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. All right, welcome back to Cyber. I am Matthew Galt. We are talking about the chess scandal that has rocked the world. So kind of... At the center of all of this uh, is how this would have even been done, right? Like right. how you're, you've got an over-the-board chess match that's live. Um, how would Hans Neiman have even cheated? Um, this is interesting you say this because it actually also sort of comes back to Dlugi. Um In 2012, I believe, Dlugi was playing an over-the-board chess match against someone who I don't remember right now. Um, Ivanov, Borislav Ivanov, uh, and Dlugi, Max Dlugi noticed that Ivanov was like moving his shoe around a lot and was just like fidgeting quite a lot. And he was like, check this guy's shoe. And it turned out that he had a chess engine in his shoe. The shoe infamous, computer, the infamous sockfish. Yes, yes, the the infamous sockfish. And so, this is like one of the higher profile examples of someone being caught for cheating in in real life. And in Hans and Magnus's case, it's like people are saying, "Well, how do you even cheat in a real life match?" Like that is sort of the big question. It's like you have people watching it. How could they possibly cheat? And so, this is the. People have just wildly speculated. So we, to be clear, Hans has not been caught. No one knows. Like, this is what everyone's been talking about, though. And the the theories are like, shoe computer, number one. Number two is Hans or uh, Magnus Carlsen's plans and, like, strategy was leaked to him ahead of time somehow. Uh, three is, like, he had an earpiece or something like that. And then, like, the the wildest one is anal beads slash butt plugs, uh, which again, super wild suggestion, but basically like the theory is uh, vibrating same, sex toy. Smart it's the same as toy. the shoe computer just in your ass, essentially. Yeah, it's like, it's better, better hidden. And so like this, this went viral, like Elon Musk tweeted about it. And then uh, Hans was like, I'll play naked. You know, like I'm willing to play naked. Uh, which has not happened, and, and it, I well, doubt cam, will happen. And a cam, well, a campsite offered him a million dollars to do it, right? To play naked. Yes. 
Okay. That did happen. Um, so that brings us to to your story from this week, which is like someone is at work, multiple someone's and it's already built. So here's what's going on. Ace race style. It's like (laughs) the race for a butt plug chess engine (laughs) who gets there first will be the one to dominate chess for a thousand years to come. Um, So yeah, the idea is basically uh, like with the shoe, the way the shoe works is someone else is watching there. They, and, and they've got access to one of these chess engines and then they are sending you vibrations into your shoe uh, that is telling you what moves to make. So the butt plug variation is the exact same thing, but it's in your ass. Uh, so you're feeling the vibrations through a butt plug or through anal beads. Um, and that is how you are deciding what moves to make. So again, this has not been proven, but some intrepid engineers out there on the internet, uh, one we found on Reddit and talked to, and another one has already got the GitHub set up Um they are working on the program. They wanted to say like, can this work? Can we do this? Um, one is in the Netherlands. He's the farthest along. He's actually built the program and only took him about four hours. So like I said, there's ubiquitous chess engines out there. Uh, the, the, the name of the GitHub is Buttfish. Um, and he's got, he's a software engineer and he's got extensive knowledge of how to use like internet of things objects. So what he did is he took the Sockfish engine um, and then he hooked it up to some other libraries that can communicate with basically anything that you can put on Internet of Things, anything that you can communicate with wirelessly. Um, And it just uses Morse code because a chessboard is an eight by eight. And so every, forgive me if you already know this, but every uh, space on the board has an alphanumeric. So like A2 is uh, like the pawn that's all the way over on the left. So you just, you know, buzz A2 in someone's ass, and then you buzz where it needs to go. Um, so this this engineer in the Netherlands, he hooked up Sockfish to some of his Internet uh, of Things objects, did some minor variations, and has tested it with lights. So he can successfully communicate the messages from a chess engine to a series of lights uh, that will pulse in Morse code correctly. The next step is getting it hooked up into a sex toy. Um, and he is working, he's in the discord for a website called, uh, is it buttplug.io? I think you know a little bit more about this than I do. I believe it's buttplug.io. Uh, I'm blanking on the guy's name right now, but basically it's like smart buttplug. Uh, and this guy does all sorts of fun things with it. Um, so yeah, the last time I talked to Ron uh, in the Netherlands, he he had, he'd narrowed the specific sex toy down to a few candidates and was communicating with people on the butt plug discord who were going to test out, uh, the, the vibrating sex toy. Uh, and he, he's got two ideas. Um, he doesn't know which one is going to work well. The one is just the Morse code, butt plug. Another one is a string of eight anal beads because there are the eight spaces on the board. um, and you vibrate the individual beads the number of times. Uh, but the problem we, with that is... We love is, the sensitivity required right. to... Yeah. I think there's there's like a different set of skills, I think, required for the person that's on the receiving end of the eight vibrating anal beads that lets them cheat at chess, right? You have to have uh, a sense of internal touch that I think is maybe beyond the kin of uh, mere mortals. Right. So 
as I said, as we've both said, this is like a proof of concept that is happening because this meme went viral. This is not like someone like, hey, this is proof of this cheating. That's not what it is. It's just like a programmer being like, we choose to do this because we can and because it's funny and so on and so forth because it is ridiculous. It's like the, the program is called Buttfish. The, the tagline is called, quote, effortlessly transmitting Morse code of chess moves to your butthole. It's like, it's pretty, it's pretty funny. Um, and here on Motherboard, it's like, it's very DIY, um, open source, you know. Here I'm going to we don't show. Want people, we don't want people to cheat. Yeah, show, show the... Uh, the graph. The I graph, thought the, graph the beautiful was graph. Good. I really like this. Yeah, this is this is the reason he did it. He's like, because you have to wait for the perfect person who who's into butt stuff, can write the program, and is into chess, and that would be the chosen one. Uh, but that person's not coming along, so it's got to be him, the person who can just program. He had to make a choice to do this. But yeah, you it, the the whole thing is on his GitHub. You can download it right now and start playing around with it. He uh, here's the demo of it working with uh, his lighting system. <laughs> so it, it safe for work. Yep, safe for work. This is all safe for work. Uh, so it it works. It's just about getting it connected to a sex toy and seeing if it's even possible. That's the next step. And when we learn how that's going to work out, I can guarantee you we'll talk about it on motherboard. Yeah. Well, th- thank you for taking us through this here at motherboard. You get. Chess reporting on hacking and things like this, but you also get proof of concepts. Um, thank you for, for being here. Got to bounce. Yep, absolutely. Jason, you've got a hard out. Thank you so much, everyone who came on to the YouTube and dealt with uh, all of the technical difficulties today. If you like us, we are, you know, we, we, we're in all the places that pods are casted uh, and we are available uh, live streams at youtube.com forward slash motherboard and motherboard TV and also twitch.tv forward slash motherboard TV. Subscribe or follow us in those places and you will get notified when we go live. This will be available as a podcast very soon. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you for coming on us with, thank you for coming with us on this chess and butt journey today. Bye. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.